Don't look now, but it's a whole new world of weed out there. Pot is flower, it's Bruce Banner and Blue Dream. You've got bongs and dabs, resin and shatter, vaping and edibles, new terms, new strains, and new ways to use cannabis sativa, the plant. Some just made with CBD and hemp has minimal THC. There's sativa and indica strains and 100 chemicals all legal in 10 states for adult use. There's a lot to get to know. Get used to it, folks, because it's legal in the Bay State and it's not going away. Neither is In the Weeds with Jimmy Young next. Revolutionary Clinics is just one of 49 medical cannabis dispensaries in Massachusetts, but there's a reason why it's one of the most popular. It's their patient-first philosophy. All day long, they teach, they educate, they communicate about this complicated plant called cannabis sativa. That's true. Whether you visit their Cambridge location in Fresh Pond at 110 Fawcett Street or at 67 Broadway in Somerville. Revolutionary Clinics, where the patient comes first. Hi, everyone. Welcome to a very special edition of In the Weeds with Jimmy Young. We are on location at the Seed to Sale show, sponsored and presented by the NCIA, which is the National Cannabis Industry Association. They do three shows a year, L.A., New York, and here in Boston. Joining me here on the set, an impromptu set, I might add, courtesy of our new friends at the CFN Media Group out of L.A., is Peter Vogel from LeafWire. And uh, Peter, tell me a little bit about your company and thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, pleasure to be here. So we just launched LeafWire about six months ago. Uh, and you can essentially think about it like a LinkedIn of cannabis. So everything you do in a LinkedIn, meet people, connect, send messages, share news, promote events, even meet investors. You can do all that on LeafWire, and it's all 100% committed to cannabis and hemp industries. That's nice. And I will admit I have signed up for it, and that's how we met, because I was interested in perhaps getting noticed by some investors, because we have just launched the Cannabis Multimedia Network.com, and we're affiliated with some very strong brands in the cannabis industry. You're familiar with Leafly and Weed Maps yeah, and Green Flower, uh, MJ Headline News, The Weed Tube. And, of course, our flagship is CLNS Media Group. How difficult has it been for LeafWire to attract people to your website and also getting investors to sign up to check out who's signing up for your website? Uh, it, we, we're finding out there's a huge demand for this right now. It's kind of a pent-up demand. Mm -hmm. uh, we've been growing faster every month. We just broke 6,000 members. Uh, last month, uh, in uh, the month of January, we grew at 1,700. Nice. The month before that, we grew at 1,000. So we're growing faster every month. There's, I mean, as you can see by the size of these conferences, they get bigger and bigger and bigger. There's more and more people. More and more states are legal. The industry just keeps getting bigger and bigger. And there's, uh, there's a need, a demand for a platform like LeafWire that powers the business behind cannabis. So everything that people need to do from finding business partners, finding employees, getting money, anything that it takes to run a business, we try and provide tools for people to do it. And it's, it's, people are joining uh, more quickly than we anticipated. And I am excited to be part of that uh, community, as it were, right? And I told you I've already gotten a few responses, yeah, which is always exciting. That's awesome. We love to hear that. And let's go back to the fact that you are business-to-business -business connectors. I mean, that's pretty much, if that was your elevator spe speech in the cannabis business. So how 
what's your business model? I mean, I know I don't think I paid you any money. Did I pay you any money? <laughs> you I don't think yet. I did. Oh, good. So how are you? What's your business model? How's that going to work? So our business model is similar to like a LinkedIn model. You, you described in the industry like a freemium model, which means everyone can join for free and use a lot of the services. Uh, when you want to use some of the advanced features, then you would start paying. And so, right. for example, we're going to have a job board. Right. So if you want to post jobs, you would pay a monthly fee. Gotcha. Uh, we're going to have a, an area we call marketplace listings, where people who have services to provide to the industry, whether it be it a lawyer, an accountant. Video uh, producer. A video producer. Thank you very much. Uh, a payment processing company, you know, which is obviously a huge thing in the industry now. Everyone How many have we seen? A, a bunch. <laughs> and, and people still need more, I think, honestly. So, so we're, we're going to have a section where people can post listings uh, and provide services to the industry. And that also helps solve a big need. We have people ask us all the time if we can recommend a lawyer in California who has cannabis regulatory experience or an accountant who understands 280E or a bank that will let them bank. Uh, <laughs> and, and by the way, there aren't many of them out there. There's, there's a lot that say they can do it and some do, some don't. So it's it's not necessarily easy. Big fees. So those, those all people keep asking us for those services. So we decided, hey, we need a static place where people can list those services and then people can actually find them. So it's a way we can kind of uh, facilitate that 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 business connection people can find what they need yeah um, you're based in Colorado yes Denver Colorado so obviously one of the uh, more mature markets for cannabis is Colorado Denver uh, California Oregon and Washington State and of course now Massachusetts becomes the first East Coast state to legalize cannabis uh, are you finding that the investment community is looking to spend money in the Massachusetts economy, in the fledgling cannabis industry that's happening here. There's a lot of out-of-state ownership and money coming into the state. A lot of it's coming from Colorado. Yeah. You're familiar with some of the people that have put money in? Yeah. And uh, how are they finding um, the regulations and the stipulations that have been put in, in place by the Cannabis Control Commission here in Massachusetts? Just uh, as restrictive as Colorado, more restrictive, and, it, and I'm talking just ballpark figure here. Yeah, I mean, Colorado, it, it, it's in the process of changing, I think, but it, it didn't allow people really to invest from out of state into Colorado unless you had a, some sort of established foothold or foundation in Colorado, uh, and most other states aren't like that. So, like, I, I believe people from out of state can invest in Massachusetts, and yes. they are. Yes, so they are. <laughs> I would say, in that sense, it's less restrictive than than Colorado was. Um, it, it is, what's complicated, though, as, as an investor, it is different in every state. Right. So, well, what about an attorney? Think about that. They're the big winners in this because right. they got to learn laws in every state. Right, and it's going to keep going that way as each state goes legal one at a time until uh, it federally changes. And even when that happens, it's probably going to take a few years for all the states to all get on board the same uh, the same rule. Just like alcohol, if you think about how long it took for the laws, alcohol. Some states are twenty one, some are eighteen, some you can't buy on Sunday, some you have to be Utah. You had to be a member of a club and to go buy alcohol on a boat. Like there's. The Mormons are controlling Utah. They always have, and they have their own rules and regulations. And you know what? I embrace Mormons. I've, I've, right. Some of my best friends have been Mormons. So, you know, it's one of those things that uh, it's just a different mentality in Utah. Right. The fact that they actually have a medical marijuana 
program in place is progress. I, I, that I think that kind of shocked a lot of people that right. it actually passed. Yep. And it, it shows you how far the argument that's being driven by science and research has come to the point where even those who are the most stringent prohibitionists look at the facts, the figures, and perhaps even partake in experimentation and find that, geez, this is a pretty benign right. product, right? I mean, that's the big surprise when they find out exactly what it was all about, especially when you're comparing it to alcohol, which right. is 114 times more toxic than cannabis. Right. Um, obviously, in a cannabis-friendly state, it's completely different, but can you take us back to the beginning of cannabis in Colorado? You had to overcome the stigma that still is um, around in these A, non-medicinal uh, yep. states and also not legal states. Yep. Um, how has that softened in Colorado for you guys? I mean, have you noticed it at all? It must be. Yeah, I mean, it definitely has softened. And so we went, we went recreationally legal in 2012. I think it was actually in the stores in like 2013 or something. So it took you a year uh, to go a from, year. a from, right, in Massachusetts, it took it's them about two the, years, two years yeah. just to get to the starting line yeah. of, of the commission and then two and a half years before the rec, first rec store right. opened. So... I, so I wasn't in the industry then, so yep. my, my point of view was different back then. What were you doing then, uh, if you I, don't mind me asking? Sure, I was in the tech startup space, so I've been a co-founder and CEO of several different companies in online marketing and advertising, and I just got pulled into Canvas about a year ago to help build this company, which mirrored, I've created some other uh, networks or companies that had loyalty programs with a couple of million members, mm -hmm. so this was something I had done in a different way. So now, now we, we brought kind of some of those skill sets and experiences from outside cannabis into cannabis. Gotcha. So from looking outside in, you know, it, everything was a novelty back then. It's like the first time you go in a dispensary and like you can buy weed. It's, you know, it's like... It was historic. What? I was yeah. at the first opening day oh, at really? Cultivate. Oh, yeah, I did a story on it, which you can find on the homepage of the Cannabis Multimedia Network. I'm going to be a shill and, you know, this is what you have to do when you have right. a startup. You've been oh. involved with startups, right? Yeah. Um, so you can find that story out. It was historic. And I think the people that waited in line, they just wanted to be there to be part of it. Yeah. And, and it, there was definitely this electric feeling that they were part of some kind of historic event. Totally. And, uh, and I know that was true for both Netta in Northampton and Cultivate in Leicester, which were the first two to open. There's only been six more. Uh, you know, that commission is under a lot of pressure yeah. to open up. It's weird. The, the government here in Massachusetts, the governor, wants everybody to slow down. And, of course, the industry is just waiting to right. take off. So there's a little frustration, but the governor's yeah. done a great job of retarding the start of an industry. That's a fact. That's not an opinion. Okay? I can say that. Yeah, it's my show. I get to say whatever the hell I want to say. I looked on a map uh, yesterday. Somebody <laughs> was looking up dispensaries, and there was only a handful of them. I was like, oh. I bet you were using weed maps. Uh, I wasn't. Oh, come uh, on. I, I'm sure my, my friend that was using it was the, probably using weed maps. There you go, of he, course. He showed it to me, so it must have been. There you go. Uh, we, we like weed maps, yeah, as you know. because they're one they're, of your sponsors. They are. Right? Well, no, one of our founding members. Oh, are they? Because I don't like to use the word okay. sponsor until we actually are getting sponsorship dough, let's just say. Okay. But they are a founding member, and I've made exceptions to these five companies because I've been on those sites. I've used those sites. I think they portray the type uh, of content that I'd like on this network. Yeah, and, and I know that's something that you're curating the users of your site as well because you want it to be a business-to-business -business site, not a business-to-consumer site. Is that accurate? Yes, correct. And we've, we've 
actually put a lot of effort into not uh, advertising in places that fi- that's consumer facing because uh-huh. it, it dilutes our the strength of who our audience is. If half of them are are just consumers that want to buy weed, right? We don't we we don't want people who are buying weed. We want people who are running the businesses behind weed. Exactly. Uh, so we have to focus on. We 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 do a lot of the B two B type uh, newsletters and websites, and that's where we get all of our members from. So this is where your strength is as someone. Let's switch places here. If you are in my chair and you just launched a pro-cannabis media network with some pretty big brands and you have a fairly extensive experience in the television production world, 40 years will do that for you, both in radio, television, print, and digital media. How would you go about creating the business model? You mentioned a paid tier of exclusive content. Uh, subscription models seem to be the the way to uh, that most investors, when they look at online services companies, they're looking for some kind of a um, return on their investment, definitely, but uh, some subscription base. They're looking for retaining income, regular income every Mon- month. Mon- monthly recurring monthly revenue. Recurring is revenue. And, MRR is the. Oh, I like that. MRR. Term. I appreciate that. And you notice I'm not afraid to be young and, and <laughs> I have no idea because. I have other people who will be running my business, thankfully. Um, so MMR is what they're looking for. Monthly... MRR. See, I couldn't even spell it right. MRR. Retaining Monthly revenue. Monthly recurring revenue. Monthly recurring revenue. Okay. Three times, I usually get it. That's usually what I need is three times. And I didn't write it down, too. So we're taking a shot here, which is another reason why I like the fact that we're recording. So creating content that is exclusive to my region, which is really where my area of influence is here in New England. Um, I'm I'm surrounding myself with others from the marketplace that are pro-cannabis as far as personalities go. And there are quite a few of them. Um, Some actually are younger than me. So um, we're looking for those as well. So is it that model, that subscription model, that's going to get you the MRR that I should be looking for? So... Our business is a little different than yours. I, I understand. So we're, not, we, we're not really selling content. You're a service provider, and I'm a content producer yeah. and conglomerator. Yep. Right? Uh, right. Yeah. I mean, you, you, I think, in your business could go two, two different routes. You could have some sort of paywall where people have to pay a subscription, a monthly fee in order to get access. Mm-hmm. Or you could give all of it away and have essentially ads on ads the and sponsorships yeah so usually you do one or the other or you could do a combination of the two right uh, which but, is what we're going to be doing okay. because as someone who is a consumer of media and have been in the business one thing that drives me nuts when i go to a more traditional media site to get news mm-hmm. i am bombarded with uh sponsor messaging yep. and, it, and it gets to the point where it's so annoying you're out of there yeah so it is that fine line of finding something Banner ads, uh, interstitial ads, pre-rolls, post-rolls, videos. Is there anything else out there that, that can be monetized on a website that you see no one has really taken advantage of? I mean, inside the podcast seems to be the most powerful return yeah. on investment. I think the con- contextual or it, it, they almost, I think it'd be more described as like native advertising. Is, Product placement. Yeah, something that you're talking about in the podcast that you actually believe in. Right. You've like, opted in right. to follow this person's uh, podcast or uh, show or whatever, and they're now um, giving an endorsement to a product. Right. Right. That's why I'm so 
happy that the revolutionary clinics have renewed with me for 2019. Uh, it's my go-to um, medicinal dispensary here in town, and they're everywhere. Oh, they have great. done a great job of marketing their product and branding themselves out into the into the Boston area. And they've grown, and they continue to grow. Um, with the federal um, laws now, which are still a Schedule One drug alongside heroin, LSD, and ecstasy that have no medicinal value. Um, there's an incredible lobbying effort going on now in Washington, D.C. There's been a few bills filed in the last week or so uh, that are designed to deschedule cannabis away from Schedule One and all of the FDA control and perhaps put it under the alcohol and uh, beverage and firearm control, too. Where do you think it might end up? What's your opinion on that? And, and why would you think it would go one way or another? And of course, I think everything has to do with money. So you tell me if that's, follow the money trail. Uh, why, why do you think that will likely happen, that it will be descheduled? Um, Six months, a year, three months. Uh, They're pretty active. John Boehner is now going to head up the lobbying effort in Washington, which I think is great. He, of course, yeah. the former Speaker of the House and uh, now a, an investor in Acreage Holdings. Yeah. You know, I mean, that would be way faster than most people have thought things are going to happen. Uh, I mean, of course, as we know, nothing happens too fast right. in Washington, D.C. these days. We, yeah, even expecting... I mean, I think realistically, people for a long time, when I say a long time, over the last year or so, people have always said it's going to be another two, three years. So I, I think it, it'd be unlikely to happen in the next year. I think it's just there may be steps taken towards it. Like, they may fix some of the banking issues. They may fix some of the 280E tax issues. Yep. They might, you know, slowly... That's all part of those bills, too. I know that. Yeah, I know. I mean, there's a banking bill in there in the right. House right now, I right. think. Right, yep. Uh, so... I think there's going to be steps before it's fully descheduled. De yeah, it's going to, I think that'll, I still think it's probably going to take two or three years. It'll be interesting to see what happens. And, and again, we just want the federal government to actually keep working and not shut down because that's a positive step. That's a whole, that's a whole other problem. I understand, but the point is we want to keep them working so right. that the, the process has been fascinating to me as, a, as someone uh, that's really, I've had my medical card in Massachusetts since the inception of the program. <laughs> And I've had four surgeries in 20 years. I mean, I qualify. Just look at my hands, folks. So I qualify for that um, additional card. But I am fascinated with all the different industries that are surrounding the cannabis product itself. You walk the aisles of the show here at the Seed to Sale, and you see the heavy equipment for the extraction. You see the growers. You see the delivery services. I mean, it's pretty amazing how many... Uh, different businesses are out there. Yeah, so they they say there's probably three to four times as many ancillary businesses that are non-plant touching. So I, I I may be behind in my numbers right now, but it used to be that there was about 30,000 licensed companies out there in all the different states licensed by the state. Yep. And there's probably three to four times, so 90,000 to 120,000 ancillary companies. Wow. So, I mean, that just goes to show you how many companies there are that are serving the cannabis community. Uh, and there are so many more of them that are not plant touching. One of the major chemicals that's extracted from our cannabis sativa plant is CBD, this anti-inflammatory component that um, people in the gray market are starting to infuse in foods and in, and in topical bombs and what have you. Um, do you think 
that CBD itself is going to get regulated? Um, this is a non-psychoactive component, non-intoxicating component I, I of the plant. I think it will be and should be regulated just like any other food item. So like it, someone selling honey, like someone selling uh, you know, food from their garden. Mm -hmm. I mean, it should be under the same regulation so that people would need a food license to sell it, which mm -hmm. is, I know there are some CBD stores out there that sell CBD-only products. Right. And they're not licensed by anything. They just have... Well, they're licensed by like the the FDA, I guess, the food and it's a, no, The FDA is involved yeah. with this because they are shutting down companies in states, Maine, Ohio, and New York now that are putting CBD right. in beverages or in but food that's items. The that's the specific states that are shutting that down, not the actual FDA, I believe, right? But it's the FDAs from those states. From, the, from those states. Yeah, okay. yeah. At least that's what the news items right. were. And again, I'm just reading newsletters yeah, and I think reporting. There's a lot of confusion around it. You right think? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, it's funny. I, so I post articles on LinkedIn a lot, and uh, the, the last last couple of days, like every other article, has been about CBD and uh, issues different states are having. New York, Maine, right? I mean, there's a lot of things. And then at the same time, you see studies. Studies came out yesterday showing that CBD has been shown to um, be a huge help for autism. Yes, it is. So they're Absolutely, discovering, they're discovering all these things uh, constantly. So I think. Once it gets off Schedule 1 and the federal government can start giving grants for research so it can be studied. Right. And by the way, it's been studied to death by the substance abuse community, I might ah. add. And they have yet to find anything that really makes it a, you know, right. an awful product. Um, but it, it's, it's fascinating to be in this business, isn't it, at this time? To watch it grow? And do you feel like you're part of history? It's definitely an exciting time to be in the industry. It's like kind of the wild, wild west, but it's... It's, it's, it's growing so fast. It's growing like a weed. Oh, I had to do one. You know, that's the other thing about this. There's so many double entendres, so many puns you can make. Right. And it's, it's all fun. And th that's what I like, to find a business that can be fun. So, Peter Vogel, I thank you so much for uh, joining me on In the Weeds. And leafwire.com yes. is where you can sign up for free your business and perhaps uh, connect with another person out there in the cannabis industry that's looking for your product or your service. For Peter, for Peter Vogel, I'm Jimmy Young. This has been a special edition of In the Weeds from the Seed to Sale show at the Heinz Auditorium in Boston, Massachusetts. Revolutionary Clinics is just one of 49 medical cannabis dispensaries in Massachusetts, but there's a reason why it's one of the most popular. It's their patient-first philosophy. All day long, they teach, they educate, they communicate about this complicated plant called Cannabis Sativa. That's true. Whether you visit their Cambridge location in Fresh Pond at 110 Fawcett Street or at 67 Broadway in Somerville. Revolutionary Clinics, where the patient comes first.